He's been overcome by the cares of the world. He doesn't feel like he fits in. And so therefore he's he's ran away from the safety of the fold. And the shepherd just can't let him go. It's kind of reckless for a God who sends his sinless perfect son to allow people to hang him on a cruel cross giving his life for people like you and I knowing that there's a very good chance that we will reject that act of love knowing that for many it won't make any difference it's kind of reckless but that's how good God is it's how much he loves us do you understand that this morning he loves us with an everlasting love He doesn't want us to be lost. He doesn't want us to be hurting. He just wants to wrap arms of love around us and let us know how valuable each and every one of us are to Him. As we go to the Lord in prayer this morning, we do have a number of people for whom we've been praying and who we'll continue to be praying for. So grateful that Tina's surgery date has been set. Even if it is the day before Thanksgiving, Tina, I'm sorry about that. But at least provides the hope for some relief from this tremendous pain that Tina's been suffering from for a long time. And we're going to continue to pray for her and want you to continue to pray for Virginia Ray. I don't believe Virginia is with us this morning. Uh, Virginia was hospitalized just a couple of weeks ago and apparently... Does not feel good enough to, to come back yet. So continue to pray for Virginia. Continue to pray for, for Margaret Trailer that the Lord would just uplift her spirits. Continue to pray for Cheryl Trailer. Lord would complete his healing in her. And continue to pray for Kenny. How's Kenny doing? Not good. Let's pray for Kenny Keith. Kenny's been dealing with this for so long. And let's just pray that the Lord will intervene. And of course, continue to pray for Gary Hensley. Uh, Gary had another treatment here just a couple of weeks ago, and we'll be going back to Kansas City next week for another treatment for his cancer. We have a lot of needs, and uh, not only needs that we are personally acquainted with, but we live in a needy world. People need Jesus. People need Jesus. And Heavenly Father, it's in times like these that we have nowhere to turn other than to you. And for those of us, Lord, who have practiced turning to you for so many years, we, we wonder why we ever attempted to turn anywhere else. For you are the solution. You are our healer. You are our provider. You are our comfort. And Lord, today we lift all of these that have been mentioned to you asking for your healing virtue to to touch and bring healing to their bodies. Lord, we continue to pray for those who are dealing with grief issues. And Lord, we know how very real those are and sometimes how long those feelings of grief can hold us in its grip. And Lord, I just pray for your comfort for those this morning. Lord, we pray for Belinda and Leonard as they are 
down in Texas awaiting the birth of that grandchild. God, I pray that all would go well and, and that uh, you would be with them today. Lord, we do pray for our nation today. Lord, we see all around us how much things are changing and not necessarily always for the better. But, Lord, we know that you have a plan and you have a purpose, and all the changes, Lord, do not circumvent your plans for this world. We pray for our leaders. We pray, Lord, that you would give them wisdom that comes from above. We pray that you would guide them, Lord, as they make decisions that affect so many areas of our lives. We pray for that little nation of Israel this morning, God. We pray that you would bless that Jewish people. They are your people, Lord, and help them to realize that you are their Messiah that loves them with an everlasting love. And Jesus, for this service this morning, I thank you for everyone who is here. I thank you, Lord, that you have brought us here today, not just to honor veterans and law enforcement officers, but you have brought us here to experience you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give to each of us what we have need of in this service this morning. And when we leave this place today, may we be able to say it was good to have been in the house of the Lord today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. We've been talking about today for a number of weeks, almost months now. And as I said with the veterans earlier in our service today, sometimes they don't get the recognition that they deserve, and I think it's probably equally as true for those who have been given charge to protect and to serve us. And so we are so honored today to be able to honor our law enforcement officers. And so if you are here this morning and you are a law enforcement officer, as I read off your name, would you please come and stand and once again face the congregation? Ricardo Ramirez. Is Ricardo here today? Travis Burgess. Travis, would you come please? Thank you. Shauna Combs. No Shauna? Dallas Ryan. Daniel Hadovanik. Hadovanik, I'm sorry. I heard they call you Head. Can I call you Head? <laughs> Christopher Head. And from our Sheriff's Department, Gene Ward. Bo Jacobs, no Bo, and Rob Gant, no Rob. We have, we want to show how much we appreciate these men and Shauna, although she's not here, by presenting them with a, a Bible this morning that we have engraved with their name and their badge number on it. I want you to know that when we made this offer to uh, Chief Mullinex and the Sheriff's Department, we didn't want to offend anyone, so we just asked for those who desired one to respond to our offer, and these, along with those that are not here this morning, are the ones who have responded, and we appreciate it, and we want you to know that in presenting you with these Bibles, 
We want them not only to serve as the Word of God for you, obviously, but we want you to know that we as a church appreciate you. We really do. We're thankful for you. And I'm calling upon our church to keep you in prayer every day of your lives, that God will place a hedge of protection around you, that he will just use you to, to do what you've been charged to do. And again, we are so grateful to you for the service that you provide. Let's give them a hand, please. Had, <laughs> here is your Bible. Thank you so much. Lord bless you. Shauna is not here. Bo is not here. Gene, where's Gene? Gene, thank you for your service. We appreciate you. Well, we're glad to be able to do it. Okay, I've got those. Dallas. Thank you, Dallas. Glad to be here. Chris. Thank you, Chris, for your service. We appreciate you. And Travis. Thank you, Travis. We appreciate you. I'd like for us to do something. I'd like for us to stand to our feet. And I'd like to pray over these gentlemen, if that's okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you for people that you have placed in positions of authority to protect us, to serve us, to restore order that where it needs to be done. God, I thank you not only for these men, but I thank you for their families. God, I, I ask that you would forgive us as a nation for the disrespect that is sometimes shown to, to these law enforcement officers and to the work that they do. God, I pray that you would help us to regain the perspective that you have placed them in this position. And you are using them, Lord, for your glory, for your purposes. And again, we just pray that hedge of protection around them and everything that they do. We pray, dear God, that we would become better people as a result of the services that they provide to us. Bless them abundantly in everything that they put their hand to. Bless their families and bless their work. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. We appreciate you. I'll give these to you afterwards and you can take them. Thank you. Appreciate it. Amen. Yes, Dana. You may be seated. Good morning. My, it's so good to have this going on today. I've just been so touched. And I appreciate each one of you that are serving today and that has served in the past. From the bottom of my heart, I thank you. Well, I'm just up here to give the announcements. <laughs> well, I got something else to do, too. But anyway, today is Veterans Day, November 11th, 2018th. Our prayer meeting will be tonight at 6 p.m. in the sanctuary. Trinity Kids and the TFC Youth meet Wednesday from 6 to 8, and the Adult Bible Study meets at 6.30. Everyone is invited to the dinner, which begins at 6. There will be a donation jar provided if you would like to help with the expenses. You don't have to, but if you feel like you can, that would be great.
Our Operation Children's Operation Christmas Child boxes are due today. And that's quite a blessing for so many children around the world. Please remember to pay for and pick up the bread or rolls that you ordered from the ladies' ministry. And when you walked in today, did you smell cinnamon rolls? Because <laughs> I think we all went home smelling like cinnamon rolls yesterday. Yummy. And other things, too. But it's all great. Thank you for your purchases. The community Thanksgiving service is today at the Ag Building, beginning at 6 p.m. Pastor Terry will be the speaker this year, and dessert will be served following the service. Please bring your family and help us support this wonderful community event. Come early to greet. Come early to greet as people come in. So we need to greet people when they come in, right? <laughs> Okay, the Soldiers for Christ helmet drives this year are November 17th and 24th at Walmart and Best Market, and support those as well. It's a wonderful cause. And if you would like to help provide food for the area food banks, please leave your items in the shopping cart in the foyer. Thank you, and they will be distributed. Okay, I'm going to step over here because I'm going to be talking about we a little bit. So um, I'm here to be the offering taker now. I was the announcement giver, and now I'm the offering taker over here. And when I mention we, I'm mentioning my husband, Doug, and myself, and I'm Dana. But I'd like to share a little bit about giving and what it's done for us in our lives. Um, probably 35 years ago, we were really young, and we acquired a, a tremendous... <laughs> Go ahead. We were young kids. I was much younger than he, but uh, we acquired, <laughs> and I still am. I still am. It's not changed. I'll never catch up with him. I'm not trying either. But um, we, as a couple, um, acquired a tremendous amount of debt, um, so much debt that we wondered how we'd ever get out of it, but we knew we would. And we decided as a family, we had two small children at the time, that we would continue to give. And we gave. Sometimes it hurt to give, but we did. And God blessed us with our faithfulness. And he, through all that, was very faithful to us. And I mean, we have just a few minutes right now to talk about it. But we could talk forever about it, really. Not ever, but a long time. To, to share the many miracles that we saw through all this. And even still today. And, to, and God brought us through all that. And we paid everything off. And we're debt-free debt as we continue to be today. But we have honored him through all this. But most of all, he has been faithful to us. And um, not to boast or anything about us, because it's not about us. It's about, it's about him. He owns it all anyway, doesn't he? But through all of our trials and tribulations, God has been there with us, guiding us and leading us, standing beside us, carrying us, whether it's a financial matter whether it's a tragedy that we've been through, tragedies, um, in everything, he's faithful to us. And we love him today more than ever before.
and we give him all the glory for what he's done for us. Yes, and ushers, please come forward. Did you want to share something? Usherettes, ushers, pray with me, please. Precious Lord, I just thank you right now because of what you've done in my life, in our life. And Lord, we honor you and we glorify you for all that you do. And Lord, I thank you for the privilege and the opportunity that we have to give back to you what you've given to us. And Lord, I pray that you bless each person that's here today. Whether they give or not, we know that you want them to be blessed, oh God. And we thank you and we praise you for your many blessings, but most of all, your love and your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Love that song. It is no secret what God can do. Amen. Thank you, Dana, for your words. Thank you, everybody, for your help this morning. And I want to personally say something that I've forgotten to say the last two Sundays. A couple of weeks ago, you were so gracious to us on Pastor Appreciation Sunday, and I want to thank each and every one of you for the the kind words and the thoughtful expressions that were given to not only Brenda and I, but to to Caleb and to... uh, Melissa and her family, and uh, you're just a you're just a great bunch, kind of like you. Amen. Amen. We are in our sermon series. God is good. We've been talking about the different ways in which God's goodness is shown to us on a regular basis. And uh, before I say that, I, I need to just uh, correct something. I, I failed to have Belinda take off the announcement to sheet this morning that we will not be having prayer meeting this evening because we have potluck after church this morning. You see, we eat so much that we're not even able to come to church to pray. So, uh, no, on those, on those days when we have a church luncheon following church, we never uh, meet in the evening. So, I just wanted to clear that up for you. But we've been talking about the different ways that God shows His goodness to us. Dana was so accurate and in talking about how faithful God is. But did you know that the primary way that God's goodness is made known to the world is through you and I? We are conveyors, so to speak, traffickers of God's goodness, or at least we should be. 
We have a duty to a world that's torn by tragedy to offer hope, to offer encouragement. And, and today, I want to once again establish <clears throat> that God is good despite the obvious evil that exists in our world. Um, I, I just wanted to say this to start things off this morning. It's a challenge to be as good as God is. It's a challenge to be as good as God is, and it's a challenge to do as good as God does. I mean, I'll I'll expound on that here in a few moments, but I I was thinking about that thought here just a couple of weeks ago when I prepared this message, and I I don't know about any of the rest of you, but for many years, uh, well, it started in the 50s for me, and probably became aware of it in the 60s, but as I look this guy up that I'm getting ready to tell you about, his ministry started back in the 40s, went through the 50s, the 60s, uh, a very prominent voice in the Christian world, even into the 70s and 80s. He was a leading evangelist in America. He was a preacher from Tulsa, Oklahoma, named Oral Roberts. How many of you remember Brother Oral Roberts. At one time, Oral Roberts had the world's largest gospel tent. He had a team that would erect that tent in large cities around America and overseas. And his crusades would seat upwards of twelve to 15,000 people inside of that tent. And it would be filled night after night after night. I remember as a young boy listening to Dr. Roberts as my grandparents and I were getting ready to go to church on Sunday mornings. I believe he was on Channel 6 back in those days. It was either Channel 6 or Channel 11 or Channel 13, I can tell you that much. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. I believe it was Channel 6. But we'd listen to Dr. Roberts on Sunday mornings and and we would watch his crusades that always featured a healing line of, in which people with, with illnesses and diseases and other infirmities would, would wait in this long line to have an opportunity to have Dr. Roberts pray for them, pray for their healing. But Dr. Roberts had an expression that he often used when he preached, and those of you who are familiar with him, I'm sure you're going to recognize what I'm getting ready to say I can almost visualize it. He would grasp the microphone with his left hand, and while holding the mic close to his mouth and waving an outstretched right hand, he would shout, something good is going to happen to you. You remember that? Why, he would go on to say, because God is a good God. And then the part that I remember the most, he would follow saying, God is a good God by saying, and the devil is a bad devil. Don't know why that sticks in my mind. But God is a good God, he would say. He said that to encourage people to believe that they could receive the miracle of healing that they were coming for and have their other needs met because a good God does good things for people, right? Well, he's still good, and he still does good. A good God saves from sin. A good God delivers from the power of Satan. A good God 
still heals the sick people. A good God delivers from oppression, demonic possession. A good God supplies all our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. A good God guides, a good God protects, a good God provides, a good God bestows countless blessings in countless ways. As the psalmist would say in Psalm 68, 19, a good God daily bears our burdens. Now what I'm getting ready to do for you, for those of you who follow my sermon outline on your version app on your smartphone, you're accustomed to me having every scripture verse on that outline for you printed out so you can read it from there. But what I'm getting ready to do, I've not put all of these scripture verses down because I'm going to go through them too fast and you wouldn't have time to read them. So what I did is I just put the references there and you can look them up later, but you know, we, you, you and I believe that God is a good God, and, and we do believe that, right? Okay. Uh, we believe that every day, in every way, in any and all circumstances, we are on solid scriptural ground when we say and when we believe God is good. And I'm going to give you the scriptural accounts real quick. Psalm 25, 8, the Lord is good and upright, therefore he shows sinners the way. Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good, how happy is the man that takes refuge in him. Psalm 16, answer me, Lord, for your faithful love is good in keeping with your great compassion. Turn to me. Psalm 85, 2, also the Lord will provide what is good and our land will yield its crops. Psalm 100, verse number 5, for the Lord is good and his love is eternal. His faithfulness endures through all generations. Psalm 106.1, hallelujah, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Psalm 107.1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Again, the same thing in Psalm 118.1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And then the psalm says it again in verse 29 of that same chapter, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Psalm 135.3, praise the Lord for the Lord is good. Sing praise to his name, for it is delightful. Psalm 136.1, give thanks to the Lord, for his, he's good, his love is eternal. Psalm 145.9, the Lord is good to everyone, his compassion rests on all he has made. Jeremiah 33.11, a sound of joy and gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the bride, and the voice of those saying, praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good. Lamentations 3.25, bet you don't know this one. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. Nahum 1.7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of distress. He cares for those who take refuge in him. Are you kind of getting it by now? There's scriptural support for the fact that God is good. <coughs> we hear passages like that and, and we have good feelings. We feel uplifted and happy. It's like, It's like Jeremiah who said in another part of his book in chapter 15, verse number 16, he said, your words were found and I ate them. (laughs) Your words became a delight to me and the joy of my heart, for I am called by your name, Lord God of hosts. Now all of that to say that it's easy to believe God is a good God, especially when things are going our way. When our prayers are being answered regularly. When our health is good. 
When our bills are paid, God's good. But I'd like to leave us on that high and lifted up state, but that's just not reality that many of us live in most of the time. So I have to make this adjustment here that just may have the effect of of maybe putting a chill on what I've just affirmed to you about God, even those affirmations from Scripture. Let me just say that we have to admit that despite our own vigorous and our own joyful profession of God's goodness, there are a lot of people in our country and around the world, perhaps even some here today, who occasionally have problems believing that we serve a good God. Hate to dredge up a horrible memory, but many express that sentiment as a result of what happened on September 11, 2001 in New York City. I remember as a pastor getting the news of planes flying into our World Trade Center while we were at a meeting in Wichita, and uh, the meeting was immediately canceled when we found out it was a terror attack, and, and Brenda and I went back to our church that we pastored in Salina, and uh, over the course of the next two or three days, uh, the Ministerial Alliance there in Salina formed a, a, a community gathering of, of, of people of faith that, that would uh, pray for our country at its time of need. And I remember hearing the comments from so many people, from so many walks of life, if God is so good, how could he allow something like this to happen? And let me tell you what, it's, it's a challenge for clergy to answer those questions when it's not just them facing those kinds of tragedies, but we ourselves facing them. Um, if God did that, how can we say that he's a good God? Even among those who seriously and sincerely did not believe God caused that terror attack, the resulting deaths of thousands of people, even they wondered why he, as a good and sovereign God, didn't prevent it from happening. Perhaps even some of you here this morning have thought the same thing, whether or not that be the case. We do have to admit that it creates an interesting dilemma for many of us. Think about it. The death of nearly 3,000 people within a matter of minutes doesn't really square with the fact that God is good, right? I mean, if you think about it even further than that, the fact that there were children who within an instant were without moms and dads doesn't square with the fact that God is good. And at the very least, it's difficult to see the goodness of God in any of what happened on that terrible, terrible day. But in spite of all of that, I'm not going to back away from the Bible's clear revelation about who God is. He is a good God. And I believe that even though I don't understand and I don't know the mind and the purpose or the ways of God in their totality, I, I believe I have to admit that there are times when it seems to me that even God's ways are contradictory to what many of those verses said about him being so good. I, I'm just human, right? We all have those times when we question God's goodness. 
I mean, the Bible says one thing, but it doesn't seem to match up with our circumstances in life. It seems contradictory, and then we find our faith being challenged as a result. So I'm thrown back into his word, having to search for a deeper and clearer understanding of his character. But all that being said, I've got to tell you that sometimes even my faith finds itself being shaken. Now, again, I don't want any misunderstanding. I'm not telling you they destroy my faith. I'm telling you my faith gets shaken. They don't, they don't move me from my position of faith. I believe in a good God in spite of the bad things that I see happening around me. But I even believe in a good God when bad things happen. I believe in a good God when bad things happen. I have too many biblical reasons for believing that what the Word of God says about God is true. And nothing's going to move me from that position. But I find that I'm not alone in wrestling with the idea of God being a good God, especially when you view it from the vantage point of what has become, as, become known as, as Ground Zero in New York City. The images of those twin towers falling, I'm guessing, are burned into every one of our minds. We can visualize it. And the Apollo 13 mission to the moon back in 1970 turned into a near-disaster situation. Houston's mission control heard the astronauts from space say, Thank you. Houston, we have a problem. The terror attack of a year ago in Las Vegas... The recent shooting at a synagogue in Pittsburgh, and even this week, the tragic shooting of 12 people in California. It leaves many people saying, God, we have a problem. How do we answer? What do we say? Is God still good? Well, yeah, but having said that, I... I and many other people still search for answers, and I, I question, I, I try to reason things out. I, I have to seek to find how my God works in the midst of tragedies like that, and despite the sights and the sounds and the, the feelings that scream otherwise. But in trying to find those answers, I want to go back to a magazine that the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, they may still publish it, I don't know, the Decision Magazine. I don't know how many of you remember the Decision Magazine. They may still publish it. But I, I remember years ago reading in a Decision Magazine an interesting article written by a man whose name was Gary Hagen. So I, I Googled it this week. Uh, Gary Hagen is the president of International Justice Mission in Washington, D.C., and I want to quote a portion of what he has written and focus briefly on a couple of questions that he poses from what he's written. He says, and I quote, A student once asked me what I thought was the most difficult thing for people to believe about Christianity. When I thought about a response, a surprisingly clear answer emerged from the sea of faces assembled by my memory from African villages, Latin American burials, and Asian slums. I believe that the most difficult thing for people to believe, I told the student, about this faith of Christianity is the idea that God is good. And the student replied, why is that? 
He said, I told him because people are in so much pain. For instance, every day more than 30,000 children in the world die from preventable causes. Another 1.5 billion people around the globe have no access to medical care. Millions of children are homeless, living on the streets in massive urban centers. And then he poses the two questions. For these hurting masses, how is it believable that God is good? And the second question, how do Christians make the argument for God's goodness in the face of such pain? Now, I don't know if any of us here, but I'm sure there are perhaps some of us here today that could, that could speak to hurting masses. I, I probably can't, so I can't really identify or comprehend with hurting masses. But there's not one of us here, I'm guessing, this morning who haven't had to face pain up close and personal. We were pastoring in near Gainesville, Texas, and Brenda and I just happened to be in the federal building in Sherman, Texas, on that April the 19th, I believe it was, when a bomb went off in Oklahoma City at a federal building. Uh, I'm sure, again, like 9-11, we have visual images of that. We saw the faces of the people whose lives were forever affected. That was close enough to home, it almost felt like it was us. We could identify with the pain that those people were experiencing. And from that, we can determine that pain comes unexpectedly. It comes uninvited. It comes without explanation or reason. It comes whether we think it's fair or unfair. Pain knows nothing of race, color, or creed. Nothing of wealth or poverty, Christian or non-Christian. And some want to ask, if God is good, why am I hurting? If God is good, why did this painful thing happen? If God is good, why doesn't he just take the painful circumstances that I'm going through? Why doesn't God just take it all away? And they, or maybe I should say we, conclude wrongfully that since they can't understand their pain and suffer through their pain, that God is in some way other than a good God. They want to pound on God's chest and say something along these lines. God, if you were good, if you were really good, you would have stopped that tragedy. God, if you were good, you wouldn't allow me to feel so much pain right now. Or God, you can't be good because all this trouble is here and all these people, including myself, we're all hurting. Good questions. Good statements. Wrong answers. I've got the right answer. I have the solution. And it's not an answer or a solution that most people want to hear. In fact, I doubt that any want to hear what the real answer is. Because, and there's a reason for that. You may question and you may doubt the answer that I'm getting ready to give you. But because my answer is a blow to human pride and human arrogance. It requires humility. And humility is something that, that many of us are not really good at. And above all, my answer more than anything else, requires faith. The question is not whether God is good or whether he's not good. He is good. 
The problem lies in our perception of His goodness. The problem lies in whether or not we recognize His goodness, whether or not we understand His goodness and acknowledge His goodness, even in the midst of what tragedies that we're going through. So this solid scriptural answer that I'm getting ready to give you as to the reason why we don't recognize and acknowledge God's goodness, why we don't know it, why we don't understand it, the first thing you need to remember is it's a matter of perception. God is always good. We just don't always see His goodness. It's either because we can't see it or perhaps even we choose not to see it. And I'm going to be the first to tell you that it's sometimes very difficult to see and to understand God's goodness. But the reason for ours and others' misunderstanding on this subject is clear. It's found in Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth. In one of the most read, quoted chapters in the entire Word of God. And it's found in chapter number 13, verse number 12. You'll recognize 1 Corinthians 13 as being what we have referred to as the, the love chapter. But in verse number 12, Paul takes it to another level. He says, for now, we see indistinctly as in a mirror. There's your answer. For now, we see indistinctly as in a mirror. Now, I want us to understand this verse fully this morning. So what I'm going to do is not only use the version that that I normally use and that I just read from, but I want to also give you that same verse from the Amplified Version and the Living Bible. The Amplified Version says this, For now we are looking in a mirror that gives only a dim or blurred reflection of reality, as in a riddle or enigma. Now when I think of a blurred reflection... I'm sure some of you can identify with this. I get out of the shower of a morning and I go over to my sink and get ready to shave and the mirror's fogged up from the shower. I have to wait for a while until I can see my face clearly enough to begin shaving, right? You know what I'm referring to. That's the kind of image that Paul is is telling us about. It's indistinguishable. It's fuzzy. It's a blurred image. It's Paul conveying to us his understanding of God and his ways. The King James Version says, now we see through a glass darkly. The word darkly in this verse is the Greek word enigma, from which we get our English word enigma, meaning a riddle. It means an obscure saying, an enigma, a riddle, an obscure thing. God and his ways often are like riddles. Listen to the Living Bible translation. In the same way, these are Paul's words, we can see and understand only a little about God now as if we were peering at his reflection in a poor mirror. But here's the rest of the verse. But someday, we are going to see him in his completeness, face to face. And then Paul gives explanation to the whole matter. He says, now all that I know is hazy and blurred. But then I will see everything clearly. 
just as clearly as God sees into my heart right now. We can see and understand only a little about God now. Is that true? Unfortunately, we're not ready to accept this little understanding that we've been given, which means that we have to continue walking in faith with confidence that he is good. I'm reminded of the Israelites of old who, when only a few days out of Egypt's slavery, who were daily witnesses to the miracles of God, like parting the Red Sea, like producing water from a rock, like placing manna and quail right outside their tent so all they had to do was walk out and pick it up off the ground and eat it for their daily sustenance. Those Israelites, in spite of all of that, wanted to create a God that they could see, touch, and manipulate. And we, much like they, create our own golden calf that we hope will meet our felt needs, provide meaning to our mysteries and answering answers to our questions of why. And then suddenly, when our golden calf fails to meet all those needs, we don't feel good about ourselves, we don't feel good about our circumstances, and this leads us to question the goodness of God. Let me break it down for you. We resort to living by sight rather than living by faith. So many times we try to create God in our image. We interpret Him according to our petty biases and circumstances, our dispositions. We attribute to Him our motivations and hatreds, our timetables, our comprehension. You've heard me say it before. I'll say it again in the presence of a number of guests here this morning. Rarely has God ever done anything in my timetable. Hello? I'm not the only one here. But his timing is always perfect. And when he finally does what only God can do, I look back and I see, God, you did it again. Your timing was perfect. Had you done it according to my timetable, it wouldn't have worked. But that's what we do. We try to make God into our image. And then when things don't go our way, we shake our fist at God for daring to live outside of our imagination. We curse the skies for raining down unfair misfortune on us. We see suffering and we wonder why. We ask ourselves, if God is so good, why would he allow this suffering? Well, not being able to satisfactorily figure it out in our attempt to create somewhat reasonable answers, we then try to create God in our image and interpret him according to our biases, as I said before. Now, where am I going with all this? Simply put, we try to put, make God into a man. We make God think like we think, see what we see, and reason along the lines of our understanding and our wisdom. We tell ourselves, if I think it's unfair, well then surely God has to think that it's unfair too. So the problem is not, is God good? The problem is that we want to set the terms. We want to dictate how, when, where, 
and by what means God can show his goodness. We want to define his goodness according to our standards of right and wrong. While looking through this foggy mirror, so to speak, that has created this blurred and distorted reality of God, his plan, his provisions, and his love. To say I don't know why this or that tragedy has happened to me or to my friends or to my loved ones, it's not a cop-out. It's not a clever attempt to dodge facing reality. The reality is that God is in control. Perhaps you were paying attention as I prayed this morning. There's not a thing going on in this world today as disturbing and troubling as some of those things are that God is not in control of. He's not up there saying, oh, Jesus, what are we going to do now? Jesus, where's plan B? He's never had a plan B. His plan is working to perfection. And sometimes we can't understand how God's plan can be working to perfection when all this tragedy is taking place around us. He has a plan. And the reality is we don't understand it. We don't understand it, but a far greater reality is that In spite of my lack of understanding, I believe in his plan. I believe in it. My faith acknowledges him. Therefore, the anchor of my life holds me secure. Now, Jesus said, John chapter 14, verse number 1. I learned it this way, so I'll quote it this way. It's not my translation, but it's the way I learned it. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. Now, let me ask you, what part of that do we need to hear or work on today? Don't let your heart be troubled. So let me just cut to the chase. The fact that you were able to get out of bed this morning proves that God is good. It may not have been so good for your spouse, Especially if all you've done all week is grumble and gripe and complain and find fault and generally be a pain in the neck. I think Brenda said amen to that. God is good. And you need to acknowledge that. Stop your complaining and start giving Goodness, because here's the most important thing that I'm going to say to you this morning. God is good, but his goodness is seen through you, and you, and you, and you, and me. That's where his goodness is seen. When you're sick, how many people express concern, pray for you, offer to help in any way? God is good. Even if it's just one, God is good. When you're without a job, what city or county or state agency or what church benevolence committee paid some of your bills or bought some groceries for you? God is good. When you were grieving the loss of a loved one, how many gave you a hug? 
How many cried with you? How many offered sympathy to you? How many brought groceries to your house and gave the gift of being there to you? God is good. Hope you see where I'm going with this. That man, that woman, that young person, that preacher, that neighbor, that agency that offers you a hand to lift you up is evidence of God's goodness as it's seen through you and through others. God uses people to show his goodness. James chapter 3, verse number 13, the apostle James says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? He should show his works by good conduct with wisdom's gentleness. The Living Bible says it this way, kind of like this. If you're wise, live a life of steady goodness so that only good deeds will pour forth. And if you don't brag about them, then you'll be truly wise. Wow. I like that. Good deeds pouring forth from people who, have, who live lives of steady goodness is God's way of being good to us and us to others. It's a truly amazing fact that God shows his goodness through people like you and me. I mean, think about it. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And then the Apostle Paul makes this, in light of what I've just said today, even more astounding statement. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, he says, God was in Christ restoring the world to himself. This is the wonderful message he's given to us to tell others. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is using us to speak to you. The emphasis on that, by the way, is mine, not Paul's. But Paul goes on to say, we beg you as though Christ himself were here pleading with you, receive the love he offers you and be reconciled to God. Now, on a very practical level, for now nearly 2,000 years, Christians have endeavored to demonstrate the goodness of God in the manner prescribed by Jesus. Christians have demonstrated the love of God by extending a compassionate hand of service to those who are suffering, to those who are in need. For example, Jesus put it this way, if people are hungry, feed them. If they need a drink of water, give them a drink of water. If they're naked, clothe them. If they're in prison or sick, visit them. And when you do this to these, Jesus said, you have done it as if you were doing it personally to me. We are serving a good God. God is good through you. God is good through me. I am God's goodness to others, and you are God's goodness to others. He's a good God because he has good people full of good works. People who are touching hurting lives with little deeds or acts of kindness in an effort to alleviate pain and suffering. Don't know who this lady was. 
Some of you may never have heard this before, but a songwriter named Audrey Meyer once wrote a song with these words. Oh, to be his hand extended, reaching out to the oppressed. Let me touch him. Let me touch Jesus so that others may know and be blessed. What a song. But here it is in practical terms, and I say this in closing. Navy SEALs rescuing captives who've been abducted by terrorists and administering the justice to those terrorists that they deserve. Army soldiers putting their lives on the line for our freedom. Air Force pilots flying their jets over enemy territory, dropping bombs to overpower evil dictators who have violated the human rights of their people. Marines who face unknown danger by being the first to put their boots on the ground to fight those who threaten our freedom. Coast Guard rescuers guiding their boats over raging seas to rescue those caught in a storm. National Guardsmen who leave their families behind to quell threats and uprisings in troubled areas of our cities. They're all serving as God's hands extended. Firefighters rushing into the burning Twin Towers to rescue as many as possible were God's hands extended. Law enforcement officers running towards the gunfire of a madman at a hotel in Las Vegas, at a synagogue in Pittsburgh, were God's hands extended. Emergency personnel rushing, rushing to those same scenes were God's hands extended. Ordinary people helping ordinary people in a hundred ordinary ways are God's hands extended. Donations of money, donations of blood, donations of time to relief agencies who go to areas of our world who have experienced natural catastrophes are God's hands extended. Prayers for our leaders, prayers for our nation, prayers for its judges, prayers for its law enforcement officers, its firefighters, its first responders are God's hands extended. What am I saying? Whatever you've done, whether words of hope, words of comfort, means of encouragement, that you've given, you are showing God's goodness through you. God is a good God through us. Worship team, would you come please? Jacob, Doug, Scotty, Rod. Lord Jesus, I, I'm praying that your Holy Spirit will convey this perspective to each one of us in this room this morning. That rather than trying to, to explain and to justify and to articulate what we know about God's goodness based on faith is not necessarily the most important thing. But rather... 
showing your goodness through the things that we do to help others. That's the best evidence of your goodness. Lord, it's no different than than trying to explain how to share our faith with someone. We can know and we can tell others what the Bible says and we can tell them what they ought to do. But God, in a practical sense, showing them what you have done in and through us, where you brought us from to where we now are, the people that we used to be compared to who we now have become. Those are the ways we show your goodness. And Lord Jesus, this morning, if there's someone in this room who, whose circumstances of life and stuff that they're going through, Lord, has made them as it does each one of us from time to time, question. Question your goodness, question your, your presence, question your concern, question your care in the midst of their situation. I pray, dear God, that you would help them to understand it's a matter of perspective. That it doesn't change the fact that you are good all the time. It's just that now, Lord, we see through a a murky mirror. Unable to distinguish the reality of what's going on. And Lord, as you minister your love to them this morning in the midst of their circumstances, whatever that may be. I pray, dear God, that you would give them the gift of hanging in there. To be able to hang in there until you work in a way that only you can do to solve what needs to be done in their life. And when they get on the other side, God, give them the ability to look back and to see your hand as many of us have in situations in our own lives. To look back And see your hand, your providence, your timing, your wisdom, and your purpose, and your plan. And I ask this in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I I, I just want to do this, and I'll just take a few seconds to do it. It's three minutes before the noon hour. We're serving lunch here anyway. You don't need to worry about it. Say, Pastor Terry, I'm here this morning. And in all honesty, I've been questioning where God's been in the midst of my situation. You just wanted to lift that hand just so that I can pray for you this week. Yes, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Any others anywhere? I see another hand, another hand, another Well, thank you, Jesus. Not for the pain and the heartache that they're going through, but thank them for the promise of your presence. That you'll never leave them 
You'll never forsake them. You're there with them, Lord, to perhaps even carry them when they get so weak and overwhelmed that they're not able to stand on their own. And I pray, dear Jesus, again, that you would give them the ability to hang in there until your plans and your purposes come to pass. Your head's bowed, your eyes still closed. You may be here this morning. Say, Pastor Terry, I don't even know this Jesus that you're talking about. I don't even know this God who you are proclaiming to be so good. But if it's true that he is, and it's true that he loves me as you say that it is, I want to have the faith to believe that this morning. I want to have the faith to believe in this Jesus. I want to have the faith to experience his goodness in my life from this point on. You'd raise your hand this morning. Anyone? Anywhere? Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. Another? Anywhere? Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. Lord Jesus, this morning, I thank you that through your word you are drawing men and women and boys and girls to yourself. Not just your word, Lord, but you are drawing men and women and boys and girls to yourself through the love that we show them. Love that has come from your love for us that we have experienced on a daily basis. So dear Jesus, work in their hearts and lives. Let them know how much you love them. Let them know, Lord, that there is a family of faith that cares about them, that will pray for them, will uphold them, and will encourage them and love them, Lord, even through the most painful of circumstances. And then, God, for the rest of us, make us faithful to show your goodness to others on a regular basis. To just to just come to grips and say, God, I'm not going to understand your ways. I'm not going to understand your timing. I'm not going to understand your purposes in this life. But the day will come when I stand before you face to face and I'll know all things and the reasons why. And we'll thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Would you stand to your feet, please?